We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in his nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody do another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear, which is hilarious that we still open with that. That's my producer, Chris Kruger, and in studio with us tonight, Buffalo Happy Hour. Got Derek and Mike from the Buffalo Happy Hour Podcast. If you listen to our earlier episode this week, you, you kind of get a vibe for what they're about. You understand them. You understand that Derek has much better hair than Chris. Here's what I like. Since I said that at the close of the last podcast, Mike, you see it. He went upstairs and fixed his hair. I fixed. <laughs> he went upstairs and I, fixed his hair after I, made, I criticized I it. I made old fashioned, which is this is one of my top old fashioned recipes: blue note crossroads, cardamom syrup, and black walnut bitters. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't have something from the Nile River. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. You have obscure cocktail ingredients. Oh my God! Why don't you? There's nothing to say. Why don't no. you? Why don't you fire what I made you down your gullet, guys? I'm holding something that looks like a Bloody Mary. It's first of all, what do you guys think when you see this? First of all, isn't this glass enraging? Like <laughs> as a man holding this glass, he calls it's it. Funny. I now know because he's given it to me a million times. It's called a coupe, and. I despise the fact that he expects me to drink out of this because all I see is wine glass. Yeah, for a while I used to go down the list. Like Hartman's does a good job where they'll put like the glass shape in where the cocktail is. And if it's a glass like that, I'm not drinking it. I got into a fight with a lady at Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) I've only been in one ever. My wife convinced me to go one time. And I said, honey, I don't want to do this, but I'll go because I love you and I want you to be happy. Like it's, It's about more than just me here. And we... Go in there, and I see a bourbon drink, and it's very simple. It was bourbon, lemon, honey, and thyme. And I said, okay, cool. Sounds like a gold rush. Is that what that's called? Yeah. I can get down with some of that. 
So then what I end up doing is I order it and it comes to me and it's in this, it's in a martini glass basically, like with a spiral weird flute. And I looked at the lady and I go, oh, we're not drinking out of that. <laughs> and she goes, well, corporate says, I go, corporate's not here, are they? <laughs> And so I'm fighting with her about this loudly at two o'clock in the afternoon. And finally, the bartender just like waved her over and poured it into a rocks glass for me. And I was like, thank you. He he saw it. He knew what was going on. I'm not drinking. I won't. I will fight you to the death over this. I'm principle alone. And yet here I am doing my own podcast. And he submarines me with this shit. Now. It's clearly not bourbon. It looks and like Orange Crush. It looks like Orange Crush. And there's some, obviously there's flecks of something in there. What do you think it smells like? Oh, it actually smells really fresh. It almost has a, a grape, a grapefruit. Derek, you want to take a whiff of that? as well. Well, there's some Tabasco in there too. Some spice. All right. Here we go. Wow. That's got to be hot. All right. So first off, all I just got was, like, if Chris were to tell me he took Everclear, put it in a glass, and then poured some, like, Carolina Reaper sauce into it, I'd believe him. I'd believe him. Chris, what am I drinking? It's called a Holland Razor Blade, which is simple syrup, lemon juice, Jennifer, and the recipe called for a pinch of cayenne. I don't do pinches. I go for a helping. Yeah, I see that there's still sediment in the bottom of the glass that hasn't even, like, it's still not even wet. Jesus Christ. The funny thing is. I wasn't going to do I a don't pinch. Hate it. Yeah. I don't hate it. And I don't know if you guys know this. I've conquered every uh, Reaper Wing Challenge Buffalo has to offer. I, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a spice man. I'm yeah. a, I'm a, I like heat. If you know of a challenge, hit us up. If anybody here in Buffalo knows of a heat challenge that has yet to be conquered, I'll listen. I'm your Huckleberry. There's something weird that happens when that spice hits your, like, it hits your tongue and you just know you're, it's almost like you're in a fight. Like, you're either in or you're out. There's, once you're in, you're in. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to see this thing through. And then your body starts pushing back against it and you're like, well, now we're going to do this because now I've committed. And then afterwards, everyone goes, why? I don't know, because I started it. That's why. <laughs> now, that's a terrible reason to do anything, isn't it? Fair. <laughs> that's a terrible reason yeah. to do anything. 100%. And yet here I am, and I'm, it didn't kill me. And that's yeah. the thing. It's like, it's like that thing, uh, what's it, Chang from uh, uh, The Hangover? Hmm. But did you die? <laughs> no. Well, then we all had a great time. <laughs> Chris, didn't you enjoy watching me do those Reaper challenges? Yeah, because I didn't have to eat anything. I just recorded you w doing it. I think one of them we did on, what was it, Periscope. What's the one at O'Neill's? What is the hottest thing you guys are willing to eat? Like Scoville level? Scoville level. I don't remember what it was, but I did like the hot chip challenge down in Myrtle Beach one time. Ooh, that was like and how'd that work 1. out for you? 1.2 million schools? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was hot. I like hot stuff, too, but then I realized that I'm probably going to get some sort of cancer in my esophagus, so I kind of laid low on that a little bit. He's a hypochondriac. So, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so we're trying not to like die early, and plus, I grew up eating spaghetti every Friday and Sunday because Italian, and now I have severe acid reflux, so I try Ooh, to stay away from the hot stuff sometimes, Okay, but I will get into some sriracha right now because basically you can buy a bottle for $4,000, and I like reading <laughs> 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 He's 
bougie. He's like, oh, I can buy that and I can flex. Guys, you want to come over and taste this sriracha yeah, I have? Love it. It's so good. Sriracha's great. You're not a spice guy at all. Not I gave all. him I gave him jalapeno tequila one time from our sponsor, and he was not a fan. No, not at all. It was there was also ghost pepper. Yeah, ghost pepper tequila. Sorry, yeah, ghost pepper. I was yeah. like, why? I'm not... I have a bottle of ghost pepper vodka upstairs. No thanks. Yeah, that, that can stay up there. We're down here. <laughs> We're enjoying ourselves. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm my whole family's Irish. Like South Buffalo Irish. We can't do. Uh, we can't do it. We see, can't do it. I like that. I yeah. like that. Now, what I will say is, do you want a taste of this? Sure. <laughs> Take a whack of that. For the just, brand. Just a sip. Do it right, for the right, brand. Right. I, it's tough for me to say no. There's booze in it. You should probably dive that, into that. That's, it's going to be hot, a, That's also the Irish. <laughs> yeah. It's also it sure the is. Irish. Oh, no, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> not okay. It's not okay. No? No, dude, that's... Pinch my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I said I that's put a, in a helping. You... You gave that thing like the whole handful, like when the guy walks yeah. down his wife and goes, "Hey, babe, what's going on?" You just did that with cayenne to that drink. Yeah, I, I, what I did was this is what I did. So you take the uh, the larger mixing tin and I coated the bottom with cayenne, so it, it was like a nice thin layer across the bottom. So that's what you're dealing with. <laughs> I like I doing air quotes. Yeah. You thin quote yeah thin layer thin. yeah thin layer across the bottom. So what's wrong with you? Are you gonna be all right? Yeah, I'll be fine. All right, good. No, no, because I've, I've dealt with people where I've given them hot sauce, where it's like like one of them, it's called, uh, <clears throat> the, the name of the hot sauce is called The End. And then you taste it, and it's like three million Scovilles, and the kid just got tinnitus and was like, my ears are ringing, and he started crying, and I was like, oh, no, I feel like a big piece of shit, because I, <laughs> I tasted it, and it sucked all the air right out of my lungs, yeah. and it was a great feeling. You get like a runner's high. And he did not have the same experience. And I felt terrible that I dragged him into hell yeah. with me. We, we, I made, I had a small apartment before I moved over literally right next door. And we decided that it would be a good idea to like saute habaneros for some oh, reason. Oh, yeah. Mustard gas. And then we just started crying. So it was a good time. Uh, so, friend of the show, Justin Yulberg, guy, or wait, wait, Chris, let me make sure I get this right. What is he? Uh, he's a Lieutenant Colonel Yulberg. Or I mean, a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> He's, Chris, he could fold you up like a hot pocket. It's yeah. hilarious. So no, I think that's uncontrollably hot. L- Lieutenant Colonel Yulberg brought this wing sauce to a tailgate with him when he came up to visit from Pensacola. And it was a from Pepper Palace, and it was a Reaper Pepper wing sauce. Immediately gave me the hiccups when I ate it, but I still ate it. Well, then we get home from that game, and it rolls out of my truck and smashes in the driveway. Which, thank God, right? Like, it's gone. The, the, the exercise of the demons, it's gone. But then I'm looking at it out there in the driveway, and I go, that stuff's so caustic, it might eat it. Like, I, I'm just going to go mop it up. So I go out there, and I'm, it's frozen, so I'm using the push broom, because it's winter time. It's like late November, early December. So I'm using a bucket of hot water in my push broom to push broom it off the driveway. And then I'm dipping it in this bucket of water to get it more hot water and so I can because it froze overnight Mm -hmm. so then I take that bucket of hot water and like an idiot I go down into my laundry room which is this tiny like at the time my old house (laughs) is like this tiny little 10 by 12 room 
And I dump it down the laundry tub and start pouring scalding hot water from the laundry tub into the bucket. And it aerates it and fills the room and almost kills me. (laughs) My wife is working upstairs and all she can hear is me coughing and gagging and I'm crawling across the floor (laughs) on my way out of the room. Like it was like a bomb went off. It was terrible. Why did you just dump it into the street? Then a deer will come by. Smart people, because I needed an adult, okay? (laughs) Because there was no adults to supervise the thing that hung over me was trying to do on a Monday morning. That's. Do you want the truth? Yeah, there it is. We're an honest podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. Love that. So, guys, we were talking Bills Camp basics. We're going to wrap up the season long series or off season long series with the uh, tight end and safety positions. Okay. Okay. I'm going to kick this thing off with the tight ends. Cap total 11.7 million. It's only 5% of the cap, which is one of the lower ends in the NFL. We have six bodies and maybe one starter? Maybe. Here's some stats and some statements of fact as it pertains, and I just want you guys to absorb this and think about it. Ruminate a little bit, if you will. Two. Two was the number of tight ends to see more than two targets on the whole roster last season. Just two. Three is the number of games that Quentin Morris recorded more than a single target. And he was active for all but two of them. 8.4. That's Dawson Knox's average depth of target, which is ninth among all tight ends in the NFL. More, a full yard more than Travis Kelsey. Hmm. One is the number of games where Dawson Knox recorded more than 70 yards receiving. And then for tight ends... With more than 40 targets, Dawson Knox was third in the NFL in snaps taken from the slot. Thanks. Now, if we want to talk about what went wrong for the Bills tight ends in 2022. O.J. Howard. is I was going to say, is everything an option here? Like, can we just say everything went wrong for that position group? Did you guys ever see O.J. Howard in person? Quick question. No. He was massive as a human sure. being. Sure. Wonderful. I, I, I'm an Alabama fan. So I watched him murder Clemson in a game that Alabama, like... I'm a Clemson fan. Oh, yeah. Please keep talking about this. (laughs) I love that our schools had this, like, rivalry for a hot minute. Like, oh, title win, back and forth. I like Auburn. No one cares about Cam Newton. No one gives a fuck. Boo! (laughs) Boo! Boo! The the real orange is on this side of the room. (laughs) Yeah, the real Tigers. The real Tigers are over here. War Eagle. So there's... I've been a Clemson fan since before C.J. Spiller. Okay. Oh, that's so, so watching watching Saban do Saban things is super annoying. And I was stoked when O.J. Howard came to the Bills. I was like, this is, this is going to help. This is going to really be a difference. And then they're like, well, he's still hurt. And I'm like, whatever. Like, it's 2022, 2023. Like, he'll be fine. We all watched Adrian Peterson not care about blowing his knee out. And he was like rookie of the or comeback player of the year, just an absolute animal. So I'm like, he'll be fine. And then he did literally nothing, it literally was... nothing. And I was so depressed because I'm like, that was supposed to be it. So if Dalton Kincaid doesn't perform, I don't know what to do. I, as a human being and a Bills fan, I just don't know what to do. Are you really excited about this position? Tight end? Yeah. To a degree. I also play tight end. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm a little Here emotionally attached. Here yeah. we go, up yeah. top. Yeah, a little bit. So I, I'm excited for it. I just... Look at this. I didn't even know that. This just... Yeah. Put, look, guys, that's what we call kismet. 
<laughs> I, do you not agree? No, I agree. Now, I just think back to what their plans were for the team last year, and it sure as hell wasn't Quentin Morris. And that's depressing, <laughs> because that's what you got. Like, they got O.J. Howard in here and then paid him $3.5 million to go play for some other fucking team. Like, you didn't vet his athleticism. You didn't do any homework. You just brought him in because he was the one that would take the offer. They probably floated. We talk about Brandon being being a contractual gangster, how he just, I have a number. Oh, yeah. And I'll shake that change clip and I'll just be like, hey, who wants to make a deal? That's why Damian Harris is here. Mm-hmm. Because it was, hey, Singletary or Harris, which one of you is going to take this deal? And then Singletary got more money. Okay. Wonderful. I'll take Harris. Done. So they go on to O.J. Howard, and that's the deal, and they want him at $3.5 million. And then they fire him into the sun and just eat that cap hit for nothing. And it's... It's frustrating because it shows a lack of real planning. They had an idea. They like they, they didn't even throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what stuck. They just threw one piece of shit at the wall to see if it would stick, and it didn't. And then they go, well, we have an undrafted free agent guy that we can just throw in there. Wonderful. So you did no planning. It's If I have a gripe about how last year went, people point to the Bengals game. I go, no, no, no. It goes way deeper than that. That's one of the first ones. You did not plan for this position well at all. You put all your eggs in one shitty basket. <sighs> but then also, your offensive coordinator had a really rough time using Dawson Knox. Like, Knox, same amount, like if you go to NFL Next Gen Stats and you look at it, he had the same amount of average cushion as Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from Minnesota. Nobody's letting that guy get off the line with without a little bit of something, right? Mm-hmm. He had nothing off the line, and yet among, like, he's down in the 60s among all pass catchers for average cushion. Third most average separation of any pass catcher. Not just tight end, but any pass catcher in the NFL. Do you think that's Allen, though, too, partially? Well, that because is. Because Allen likes to go for the, ba- the make or break play, and, and teams then he'll know, run with it. Well, and teams know that. Yeah. And so they go, fuck it, safeties just d- disappear. But so you have an opportunity here where there is a guy who is being left open and you're not utilizing him. I understand Josh Allen is who he is. You're never gonna you're never gonna coach that running thing out of right. him. You're never gonna coach him out of taking a shot downfield just because he thinks he can. But what you can do is tell him, listen, there will be an option if you just give it a second, where they're so scared of you running that they're gonna let Dawson Knox get a free release into the middle of the secondary, and those safeties are going to clear out because they don't want you going yard on them. How many times have both of you watched, because Derek and I are famous for this, we're with our wives, we're with other people, we're enjoying the game, and then we literally start screaming the same thing at around the two-minute warning, and we're like, just take what the defense is giving you. How many times have you guys said that same thing? So So last year... I was the first season being living with my girlfriend in this house. Thursday night, opener against the Rams. I got a host. I'm off on Thursday. Got a host. Have people over. So it's like the uh, another Seinfeld reference. Uh, worlds colliding <laughs> when the two different friends groups. My friends group and podcast and, friends group. Yeah. 
and Jessica's friends come together. It's the opening drive. We're watching the game out here on 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 the big screen, and Drew is kind of next to the TV, but like in that aisleway by the pool table, and he's. He's Drew is down. I'll have to like Drew's down. He's like he's got his oh, yeah. hands on his knees and he's like this, like he's fucking McDermott on the sideline. And I'm talking to one of Jessica's friends at the high top, and she goes, she looks at me and she's like, "What is your what, what is your friend doing?" I'm like, "Oh, that's how it, it gets better. <laughs> that's Wait, it gets better. Wait, is the game until the, the game gets going and maybe we hit a problem." He might say some things. Yeah, that's being a Bills fan. Yeah. That's what it looks like to be a Bills fan. You got to figure out how to breathe. Yeah, if you're not in the linebacker stands for three quarters of the game, you're not a fan. So I look at the way that they used Knox last year. Here's the worst part this is the biggest thing where I look at Dorsey and I go, you have to improve. Scores a touchdown in five straight games to end the season. Dawson Knox was on fire at the end of the year. Do you know that if you go back and you look, he finished the season with less than 10 red zone targets? That's pathetic! You should be fired for malfeasance on that alone. You have this guy who gets separation, and you don't use him. And yet, I dial it in because he's still here. (laughs) He's still our offensive coordinator. Oh, and also, Dawson Knox had uh, six games with less than 30 yards receiving. Which tells me you didn't have him involved in your plan at all. And those catches were by accident. So you think it's a lack of planning from the OC's standpoint. You don't think that it's because Dawson Knox isn't comfortable in his role as a number one? Well, what I think it is is that if you were going to try to get that guy open, you'd give a little misdirection to a safety. You would try to do like maybe an orbit motion to try to pull a linebacker a certain way and then get him a free release instead of, hey, we're going to pass out of this formation where you're on the line and you're going to get chipped on your way up the seam. Hey, we pulled that linebacker wide now because the formation dictates it. Now he's got a free release and he's in space. You've seen the Bengals fans out there know what he's capable of if you get him in space with in motion with a little bit of traction behind him. Oh, you're, you're talking about the sideline yeah. run? Yeah, I was it's there for that. Great, it was amazing. So was I. Yeah, it was uh, when I seen that, like, it was a delayed reaction. Electric. Yeah, and then the whole stadium just blew up. And that because was Because it's one of the, the coolest game. things we've seen in decades. I, I it's yeah. like, holy shit, our tight end just bench pressed a dude. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm sorry, you don't get to come back from that. You're done. <laughs> you just go home. It's like Josh Norman. He doesn't come back after the Henry Stiff arm. No. He's, like, he's like, not even okay. in the league. Like, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was at the gym. It was Hamburg Crunch Fitness at the time. It was World Gym. I'm on the uh, I don't, the hack squat machine, but it's not the one where you're on the sled backwards. It's the one where there's the plate that you kick out and you kind of do it on the slant. Yeah, you're plate. upstairs in the side room. So I put it over my shoulders. Yeah, and I I'm I'm doing it facing like the the backrest because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do like some deep. And I'm doing it, and this girl walks up, and she starts talking to me, and she's like, oh, like we start talking, and I've seen her around the gym, and I'm thinking, like, all right, I'm making my in. And she's like, oh, that's a lot of weight. I go, a lot of weight. You haven't seen anything. And I throw another 90 pounds on there. Turns out that was my tipping point. So I kick the plate out, and instead of going up, 
I just slowly sank to the ground. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my knees are in my chest, and I can't breathe. But the thing, like, I can't, I can't move. There's 900 and something pounds weighing down on my shoulders, and I can't get out. She runs and goes, she goes and gets some behemoths who come and rip all the plates off the machine. And then they're like, bro, are you all right? Oh, you're getting, I'm like, don't slap my hand. Meanwhile, I now have to leave just out of shame. <laughs> like, we're done here. I'm leaving. We're, we're done. Like, they're, they're, and, and then I never, and then I found a new gym. Because I was like, I can't go back there again. I can't walk into that building again after having experienced this. I just feel like that's kind of what we're doing here with the tight end position. Like, we are misusing this thing, and then when we do, we try, we embarrass ourselves. Like, we... It is a lack of... I would love a tight end. Like, right? I would love to have a tight end one as a receiving target. Now we have two. Now, Chris... Allegedly. Are you, you wanna, are you not drinking the juice? Chris, if we, if we <laughs> want to talk about what went right for them, they eventually, Allen, apropos of the offensive coordinator, started finding knocks in the end zone. On plays that were broken. Plays that were fucking wild. <laughs> like, that touchdown against Miami, Chris, it was in our end zone. Right in front of us to tie the game, and then Allen surfboards over everybody to score the two-point conversion mm-hmm. that we were positive he didn't get. Yeah. <laughs> us seeing it in the end zone in front of us. Yeah, we don't have that angle. We're seeing it from the back of the end zone. I'm like, there's no way he got in. And they're just reviewing it, reviewing it, and then they gave it to us. I was like, and then they showed it on the board. I go, oh, fuck, he did it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this guy is. And then someone like on the telestrator like drew like a cape on him as he was like <laughs> over the pile. He is like... Allen had to take over and just be like, listen, I know that guy's open. I'll just find him on broken plays, but that'll be every touchdown he scores down the stretch. How reliable is that? Is that what you want your tight end room to be based around in theory? No. No. And then the season ended and being drafted reinforcements. That brings us to today. There are no real battles in training camp for roster spots. It's Dawson Knox. Dalton Kincaid, Quentin Morris. That's it. Mm-hmm. What do we do with Sweeney? Is he he's he's there? here? But okay, he got one target last year in a year where we were desperate for a te two. Whatever they're seeing in practice from him, it's not enough. Yeah. Otherwise, would, Derek, wouldn't you try anything if the production from the tight end position was that bad? Hundred percent. You would try something. Yeah. You played it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think that as even a third stringer, you'd get put in if the guys above you weren't getting the job done? Yeah, I mean, the coaches would just make a call. But I also had the the great world wonder, Nate Geary, at quarterback. So, Lord oh, say wait a minute. We didn't even talk about... up a whole can of worms. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. So, All that, right. Yeah, that changes, that changes everything. This but yes, changes Everything. Everything. Nate Geary is a quarterback. What's that like? Um, worse hair than that. Okay. To start. Wow. <laughs> they go back and forth. They, yeah. they argue about it's, this. It's an he has an annoying arm talent. It's annoying. Like you He shouldn't have that. You shouldn't have that. Like you shouldn't be able to chuck it that far. And then he just walks in, he's like, Yeah, yeah, I'm Nate Geary. It's like I just want to break your jaw. And then First of all, where did you play with him? Middle school, high school. 
Okay, then, so you went to Frontier. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then... He says it with so much disdain. <laughs> and then it was it was a prison. It was a prison. But, yeah, so there's that. And then you realize, like, I'm talking pre-concussions. He, he really understood defenses, to his credit. Like, I do have to give him credit. At, at the level that we were playing at, we ran a triple option. There was no reason to understand defenses. Like, give oh, it to yeah. the fullback. The kid's going to run for 2,000 yards. He's a freak talent. Like, let him do his thing. And he's, he's like, yeah, but we can do boom, 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 boom. And he's having all of these conversations with the coach. And they're like, I don't. We want a triple option. Like you shouldn't. He's like, like why yeah, are you but here? I'm smarter than the triple option. Yeah, the triple <laughs> option is stupid. Literally, and he literally this is offense for dummies. Yes. Like that's the thing. And he used the skill sets of the guys on the team to, right. to substantiate his points. And that's, I mean, kind of like what we're seeing now, where Allen's like Dorsey. We get it. You were a savage with the Hurricanes, but bro, like you got it, guys. You got to give me something because look, this tight end you've been marginalizing all season. Look at him score touchdowns. Can we yeah. get him featured in something? Because he's talented. Even even Cook, the kid can catch. And then he showed that he has better back-end speed than Singletary. Well, so, we, we have a whole thing about that. About how which I know we're sticking to tight ends no, and safeties. No, 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 but, no. We have a whole thing about that a week or two ago. He is one of, not just on the Bills roster. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the NFL, he is one of the worst pass-protecting running backs in the NFL. And it's what you get when you're a small... Mm -hmm. Pass protector. Pass protector. But he can catch. So what happens is a defense can dictate to you on a given play when you see Cook on the field, hey, guess what? We'll just shift, and we'll overload this side. Now Allen's going to shift the running back, and now he has to stay in as a pass protector. But he's dog shit at pass protecting. So we know we're still going to get pressure, and we took away a weapon. You become less valuable because you're not good at this one thing. Naheem Hines joined the team in November and almost outsnapped him on passing downs because they trusted him to pass protect for Allen more. Then Cook. Then Cook. Yeah. Man, that and sucks. that sucks, right? Yeah. And so that's why everyone who's looking for this, like, hey, our offense is just going to flow through this running back. He has to fix this one critical weakness in his game. And if he doesn't, he's just going to be another bit part of a running back by committee. He'll never be anything more than that. Yeah. And it's hard because he's so small. Mm-hmm. 
you're you're a slight running back, but that's what makes you good. Is you have you're small and fast and you have wiggle. I can't ask you to stop a defensive end if he gets past that guy, or if they stunt and a gap opens up and a linebacker shoots through at 250 pounds. I can't ask you at two two o two and being small to step up and yeah. take that hit for the quarterback. He doesn't trust you, so he'll just run. Mm-hmm. They can dictate to us more easily every time he's on the field. Man, that's aggravating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, still, I'm so excited for the, the season. And that's the problem with the side. That's the problem with what's going on here. Right. That's why tight end becomes so important right. because you need another weapon. Something besides the wide receivers that you can plan for with defensive backs. Shakir. Shakir. Now, again, no battles, but there's intrigue. I look at Dawson Knox. Just by RAS score alone, he's one of the most athletic tight ends to come out of college in years. Years. And he's proven that, like I said, the separation numbers show it. Like, he's good at what he does. We just don't utilize him well. Kincaid is supposed to be this high-end pass-catching option. I guarantee you there's going to be a rookie learning curve. And then Morris, even for being small, when you look at his RAS score... Athletically, he's small. He doesn't have a big catch radius, but he's explosive and he's fast. Fast in short areas. Like his 10-yard and 20-yard split is incredibly quick. You can utilize that if you're smart. If you were Andy Reid, you'd take this tight end room and make him the best in the NFL. But we don't have Andy Reid. What we have is a superstar quarterback and a guy who's in his second year of being a coordinator who still has to figure out how to be a coordinator. So with that in mind... I don't know. 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. 12 personnel is important because you look at the Bills last year. We tried to, we wanted that. That's why we paid OJ Howard. Then you fired that idea into the sun. You finished 9.7% of all snaps in uh, 12 personnel, which was third least in the NFL. Warren Sharp comes out with a chart. So it's quarterback agnostic. It's just, here's all 32 teams put into a bucket. We mix it down by play type. What's the most efficient passing formation? 12 personnel. (laughs) And you go, fuck. Ah, I wish I had some of that second tight end magic. Well, now you hope you do. But is, is Kincaid the guy? Hope so. Well, Kincaid's not a pass blocker either, is he? No. Yeah. And so this is where you go, hey, you trick. Like, when I was thinking about all the tight ends that might have made sense for the Bills, Darnell Washington was the guy that I thought made sense because I go, he'll be an animal in pass blocking. He'll be a great run blocker. And then he'll catch a little bit. And you can get him in round two or three. And you don't have to spend a ton. And instead they said, fuck it. First round pick, we're getting the best pass for, and then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, did we just draft a big slot and not do the twelve personnel thing again? Fuck. We wasted a pick. Well, we didn't waste a pick. He's going to be good, but we spent a pick on a tight end when we historically don't really use them. That's my biggest gripe right now. That's it, Chris. Chop. We've talked about the historical investment in tight end on this team. Uh, Lonnie Johnson. Uh, who else? Uh, Kevin Everett. Robert Royal. Robert Royal. And there was one other guy. There was there was a guy they drafted, Sean Nelson. Ooh. Sean Nelson. Mm-hmm. They never spent a first-round pick on tight end. 
Not ever. This this is uncharted territory. So now the thing is, you put that capital into that guy. There's a mandate from on high. You have to use that guy, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way you can get out of this. So when I, I think about all the things that 12 personnel can do for you, if we decide to adopt that, like, you can manipulate linebackers. Mm-hmm. And think about why that's good. Like, like defensive defenses have gotten smaller and lighter to stop short passing game, to try to stop the Kansas City Chiefs, where their average depth of target is only six, seven yards from the line of scrimmage. They throw a lot of dink and dunk, but they throw you enough eye candy pre-snap that you can hit home run plays. It's why Tyreek Hill was so devastating with their team. Mm-hmm. Because Andy Reid would set you up and then hit you with Hill on a seven-yard slant that he'd take 70 yards. We have the ability to do that now if we choose to steer into this with the tight ends. Because linebacker, now defenses by default are going to have to put in heavier players. Because they go, well, if you line up in a 12-personnel 12, 12 set, two tight ends, whether they're split on the same end, or you're going to put linebackers on the field over safeties or, or cornerbacks because in your mind, they could run. And if they run and we're not prepared for it, it's a given six yards. And you're never gonna you're never gonna acquiesce that. Mm-hmm. So you make things easier on your passing attack by kind of putting slower players on the field, point blank and period. Also, now your safeties, like play action becomes a thing that your safeties have to be aware of. They go, Oh, this formation they could run, in which case I have to trigger downhill. And if they pull play action, I'm fucked because I'm going to vacate a window where, like, I don't know. There's no team in football that likes a deep in or a post route more than the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Diggs with his deep ins, I think, what was it? Brett Coleman broke the sat down on one of his podcasts. It was like Stefan Diggs on deep ins. It was like 98% catch wow. percentage. But the completion percentage was fucking absurd when you ran them back in like 2020 and 2021. His deep ends when he ran them mm-hmm. and he was targeted, his catch percentage was crazy. And then you throw in a Gabe Davis who like that Steelers game. He showed you like, hey, fuck it. If your safeties get lazy, he can hit a post route and he's gone. Those become more probable because you put slower players on the field in general and you occupied your safety's eyes. That's it. Everything gets easier. The question going into this training camp is, does the team know that? And that's what I'm watching for. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching the way, I'm going to be watching the way training camp unfolds. Maybe they won't show it to us, but I want to hear in the reports from the media who are allowed to be at the closed sessions. Do I think that this team is steering into that? Do I think they're embracing their ability to do this to another football team? Because if they're not, it just, we might just be signing up for more of what we got last year. I mean, do you even think that there's a reporter that will ask that? I mean, maybe Sale. Like, that's the thing. Do they understand that in the 15 to 18 yard window of the field, 12 personnel is by default more efficient and effective than anything you've been rolling out last year? Sal might be the guy. I respect Sal. There's a lot of local media I don't respect. We've openly talked about it. I've met most of them. Sal. Like Chris, the time Sal Mariana 
Yeah. He tries to do a good job, but also... He Mike big- Rodak. Mike, Ro- Mike Rodak. I've got a funny story. He big-timed me at training camp. At the stadium. It's kind of easy to get training camp I had media passes, because all you got to do is what? You got to prove that you're... No, you're back in the day it was. Back in the day it was. Not anymore. 2017, I had press credentials. And I'm in the box, and I go, I see my seats from here. This is fucking wild. I shouldn't be up here. I asked Mike Rodak, where's the, hey guys, where's the press conference room? And he looks at me and goes, I don't know. And then walks away. So I get lost. End up having a wild adventure where I run into uh, fucking, what's his name, Russ Brandon? In the middle of, in the middle of Russ Brandon having a meltdown? Awesome. (laughs) Awesome life experience. And then I end up being 15 minutes late to Sean McDermott's press conference where I walk in the door and he looks at me and I'm like, oh no, fuck, this is the, this is the exact place you never want to be. And then I see Mike Rodak looking at me from the seats where he is right in front of, I'm like, you knew the whole time, you cocksucker. (laughs) You knew the whole time. You fucked me. Oh, it was, it was a fun experience. No, I'm glad I got that, but. Most of the local media toes the line. They won't ask those questions. I just want to know, like, as we fans watch this play out, do you believe they'll steer into this 12 personnel thing with these tight ends? No, I don't. Because I think that we are too focused right now on our wide receiver options, and we would rather run a slot wide receiver than a second tight end. And this is the thing, then why'd you draft one in the first round? Right. And that's where it's like, if this happens, it'll be fire and brimstone. You know that. Yeah. But can you imagine what WGR is going to sound like on in week three if Kincaid hasn't gotten at least five targets a game? Well, what I think will happen is we'll end up doing a rotation between Kincaid and Knox based off the type of play we're running. Because Kincaid would be more of, in my perspective, from what I've heard, is that Kincaid is a better pass catcher. And we're trying to get Allen away from running. So third and four, third and five, we'll throw Kincaid out there for an outlet for Allen to throw to instead of running and getting destroyed by a linebacker. Like, that's my perception of what's going to happen. I don't see us going 12 personnel how much I want them to, though. It's it's the age-old being a Bills fan. Yeah. Like, they have it, <laughs> and then they find a way not to capitalize. Yeah. it's It's been a long, hard road. Very. Speaking of long, hard road, the safety position. Tomorrow Hamlin's back. I don't know how. We went no from, we, yeah, I mean, it's amazing that he's back, right? But we went from having zero safeties. We had one who was trying to leave. One safety now, under contract. Yeah, to now we have so many. It's like, okay, do you want to play wide receiver? <laughs> like, the cap total expenditure is $24.4 million, okay. which is 10% of the cap. Which is middle of the pack. Oh, it's middle of the pack middle for the, of the NFL? Pack in the NFL. Bodies are eight. Well, I should say it's at the higher end, but we're not the highest. We have about three starters, is what I would put it at. And there's a reason for that. Now, here's some stats and some statements of fact about the safeties. The 2022 Bills played exactly one game where they didn't have at least one safety carrying an injury designation. Yeah. That's it. One game. And it was the homo, it was the away opener. 14.9% is the average missed tackle percentage of our safety group. Hamlin and Marlowe were over 20%. 
If you want to talk about what went wrong for the Bills' safeties, it's wrapped up in health. Health is, was the, it was number one with a bullet. Just injuries and injuries. Like you, you go back and you look at what the plan was, and you go, well, "I have an, I have an all pro safety, and I have this guy who should be an all pro, who should be a Pro Bowler, who should." How can our tandem not be great? And then you lose one immediately. And then the, the other guy just is the walking wounded. Jordan Poyer is a maniac. That's what we talk about, like the lunacy of football players. He's like, oh, I have a punctured. He's like, I don't have a punctured lung. I have a bruised lung. And if I get on an airplane, it'll swell. So I'm taking a private bus to Kansas City because fuck the Chiefs I'm playing in this game. <laughs> like, you're a madman. Yep. And yet, the, that's what it takes to be one of the best safeties in football. That's also the reason nobody wanted him in free agency, and he came back here limping back on a cheap contract. Like, injuries ravage the position. Also, lack of ball skills. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about, there was a, Chris, in the rookie seasons, or at least rookie seasons with the Bills, Poyer and Hyde each had five picks. And it set the tone for what the back end of our defense could be. And that's why people stopped trying to go yard on us. Instead, the next season just kept throwing it in front of us and making us rally tackle. And that did not go well. Because it was 2018 and we were trying to just take all of our seller cap woes in one year. So, what I, like, lost in week two was Micah Hyde. Now, if anybody remembers, I remember because Justin Yulberg was shaking me like a rag doll in the stands as Micah Hyde came from the opposite hash to slide underneath a Mac Jones pass in that playoff game yeah. in the end zone. Yeah, right in the corner. It's one of the craziest interceptions I've ever seen live. Because oh, yeah. I'm like, no, there's no way he got that. And then he gets up and everyone, interception starts going across the board. And I'm like, he's shaking me <laughs> off my feet going from the other hash. <laughs> and I go, dude, you need to drop about 30 pounds before you shake me like that. Like, this is, this is aggressive. In some states, this might be considered assault. <laughs> so outside of Jordan Poyer, nobody recorded more than one pick. Not a single safety who played for us recorded more than one interception. What that tells you is there's no ball skills when those two go out of the lineup, or at least under our previous alignment. If you want to talk about what went right for him, and this is where, like Chris, I feel like we're one of the only podcasts that get away with get away with talking like this. I feel like it's that we got past this potential thing. See, everybody else likes to talk about them and glo- like they're players and they're pe- and I believe they're people and I get that, but also every person isn't meant for this. Just like, like you couldn't do my job, I can't do your job. I don't even know. What, well, I know what you do. I don't even know what the hell you do. <laughs> I already know. I probably can't do it with that hair and your voice. Like I probably can't do what you do on a day to day basis. These guys, like the Buffalo, came out of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. 2020, we come out with a pair of high-end safety options, and we draft Jaquan Johnson. Fifth-round pick. And everyone goes, all right, great. He's got upside. Woo! And then the next spring, we let Dean Marlowe walk because we don't want to pay him. Okay, it's cool. We got a DeMar Hamlin, who was also taken in the fifth round. Awesome. Woo! Great. We've got these guys with potential. 2021 season, 
Hyde and Poyer play over 91% of the snaps. These guys are never called on, so they keep their jobs, and we go into the next season. Everyone goes, well, it's Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson. Why wouldn't it be? They have upside. What upside? I have yet to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, because of injuries, we had to put them on the field. And you got to see just how lost in space Jaquan Johnson actually is. How b- He's a great special teamer. But at playing safety, he was lost. That Jets game was one of the more embarrassing things. He got his ankles broken on multiple occasions by their running backs. We literally, I think we watched that game together. Yeah. And we were screaming at the TV, like, just just put him down. Like, this just is pull it. him out of the game. Stop this. Yeah. It's what like, is this? He's it's a weakness. Like, yeah, it's literally keeping alive, like, a 17-year-old dog. Like, just, yeah. just help. It is sad, but, I mean, I know that we're talking about safeties, but part of it comes from the fact that, we didn't have a good linebacker in the middle to even slow any of these running backs down. So they were coming at our safeties with a full head of steam, and now you're having a 200-pound Jaquan Johnson, 190-pound Jaquan Johnson try to tackle Derrick Henry. You're going to open up a can of worms right now, and my palms are going to start sweating because I could not stand... Edmonds. (laughs) Edmonds. <laughs> I was going to say the the protect Edmonds at all costs community is going to be really upset. Oh well, fine. he sucked, and now he took a insanely large contract with a garbage there's, franchise, there's and you're reason, never going to hear of him again. There's a reason Buffalo didn't pay him. Mm-hmm. Correct. It sure is. It's like, listen, you don't have to be bad. You just weren't great. If you watched him live, it was even more evident. Oh yeah, he no, was. A- I've, listen, season ticket holder of twelve years. I saw it, but I never bashed him because in my head I go, he'll get better. He'll get better. He's still better by default because he's six for five and has the range and athleticism. Yeah, he yeah, gives exactly. us options. He has. So I always took the, his run support with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But you saw it in that Jets game. You saw it in spades that these safeties were not good enough. No. So is anyone shocked, right, that, that now you look at this? And you come into where we are today. Chris, if you want to pull up our lads uh, over here on this monitor, the Bills are lads. When you look at what the depth chart is today, it's almost like they learned something from what they did last year. Mm. Because when you look at who makes up our safety group now, so they have Micah Hyde back, who is uh, apparently healthy, ready to go. Jordan Poyer, ready to go. Except no longer do they have fifth and sixth round picks backing them up. They have a a free agent in Taylor Rapp that they prioritized. They made him a priority week one in free agency to get this guy in the team. True. And then Dean Marlowe, who they traded for in the middle of last season because it was going so poorly, they were like, listen, if we make a Super Bowl run, we can't trust Jaquan Johnson out there. We can't trust... Oh, we can't trust... In injury and that horrific situation notwithstanding, we can't trust Demar Hamlin. There is no safety we trust to be riding shotgun with Jordan Poyer, who's going to just play this game until he dies on the field, too. <laughs> like, no one talks about that. Yeah. This guy is literally out there with bruised ribs and lungs and his, his elbows. His cast apparatus. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude's a savage. And. No one's talking about that. No. Like, this guy's trying to kill himself on the field. He just hasn't found a buyer yet. So you've got these guys, and instead of allowing this 
reclamation project after like, hey, we'll go after an also ran. We'll take a fifth round pick. We'll call it our safety group. This is the first time they've ever put some real effort into putting together a safety room, which almost makes me think they learned their lesson last year. Don't no, you no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Like when you look at it like that, who, who do you have? Jaron Maiden, Zane Anderson, who was their very first. And everyone goes, everyone lost their shit because they're like, well, is that it? Oh, my God. He's a special teamer. It's like, guys, you don't understand. He, he's not making the roster. This guy is a guy they brought in just because he's a good special teamer. Maybe he can push some of these other. It's one of the most infuriating things. How do you guys feel about the Bills' infatuation with special teams and the fact that they love loading up our roster? Because they're like, well, we got to have a great special teams unit, even though the Chiefs and the Eagles had like some of the worst. Well, that and we don't punt. We don't punt! From a stat standpoint, so why are we Warren putting Sharp, so much focus? Exactly. We talked about it in the last show. Warren Sharp said the Bills are second to last in the NFL in drives that ended with a punt or a turnover on downs. Why do we give a shit about special teams? Like, everyone was pissed about the whole Matareza thing, and I'm like, we don't use punters, so it doesn't really matter. Who gives a fuck? I'll go yeah. out there and punt. It <laughs> does not matter. Um, although, punting, I don't think I can, I don't think I can take a long snap. I mean, Nate Geary. Nate Geary seems to think he can hold one. He made a bet and then welched on it last summer. He was like, "Oh, I'll I'll catch first first temp, no warm up. I'll I'll catch and perfectly spot a Reed Ferguson snap." This is this is the problem. This is the <laughs> this problem. Is the problem. He goes, this is the problem with Nate. <laughs> this is the it's problem. That, it's that confidence, right? Yeah, like you can't. No, no, you you won't be able to. It's one of the reasons he and I are friends, though, because we both have this irrational confidence. Yes. Just look, I'm I'm Drew here. I can do literally anything I want to. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, no, you can't. We have a uh, update here. Oh boy, because I did text Nate Geary. I said we are potting currently with Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike Kelly, a former. Frontier teammate of yours is singing your arm talent and ability to read defenses. Didn't say anything about your holding ability. And he said, he feels bad for dropping my passes. Oh! It was one one crossing pattern. And the reason why I didn't fully go for it was because I was convinced the wide receiver that he always threw to, always, was directly behind me. So... That's because I ran just it was a quick it you was a quick justified. Cross. He sucks, not you. <laughs> Boo. Here's the thing that Nate will always hate hearing. He always threw high. <laughs> he always threw high. And he thought he threw high enough at a camp that we went to the Thurman Thomas camp. And I picked him off for a pick six in the camp. <laughs> and he thought that it was tall. It was a high enough pass that I couldn't reach. And for some odd reason, I was able to the one time in my life jump. You're like, fuck it, I'm yeah, up. and I got it. So what? who says white man can't jump? Exactly. So it was it was one time, but that's yeah. He wants to make his ridiculous comment. It's still I don't know his hey. his hair still sucks. Yeah, so who exactly. Cares? And fuck his nickname was Speed Bump because he could never tackle when he played safety. Ah! Yeah. Yes. Here we go. Here's the video yeah. we're here for. Yeah. Let's let's Fuck really speed bump. Yeah. Let's really, really talk about it, Nate Gary. <laughs> you would, yeah. You would literally be the last attempt defensively, and he was a speed bump. We're gonna have to bring you two back in here and do it's this gonna live. get so sweaty. I know. We're I get love so it. So loud. I can't wait. 
I can't wait. We're going to do it this summer. You and I can referee. Oh, yeah. Derek, you and I can referee over a bottle of whiskey. It'll be great. So, guys, when you look at the safety position ahead of training camp, mm-hmm. again, there's no real intrigue. The fact that the team went out of their way to bring in veteran options shows they learned their lesson from last year. Mm-hmm. They go, listen, we're not trusting this to rookies again. We need to know what we're going to get out of him. And also, Taylor Rapp, isn't he the most interesting piece of this? Yeah. What do you want to see from him? Here's what I want. If, if we're looking at camp and the way this is going to play out, I'm thinking to myself, we don't have a middle linebacker. Right now, it's like, it's like the movie Dodgeball, where they're like, we don't even know who the best player on our team is. <laughs> well, then you don't have one. Yeah, yeah, right. If you don't know who your middle linebacker is at this point in the season, you probably don't have one, yeah. which is a problem for a team that thinks it can compete for a Super Bowl. So... I think the idea all along has been, hey, if that problem, like we're going to sift through this problem, we're not going to pay what the market's going to bear for some of these veteran free agent linebackers. Instead, we're going to let this thing sort itself out, but it doesn't matter because we can do more with scheme. And in that way, we we will play more big nickel where we put a safety on the field Mm -hmm. in that role with a Teron Johnson in the slot, and the two of them are just, for being defensive backs, they play like linebackers. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, we didn't have a middle linebacker all last season either, so. <laughs> oh! Chris, I feel, I feel like I feel like this is Taylor the Knights, and I'm just like, turn off the heat! <laughs> Woo! You get it, Chip? <laughs> there is not a lot of love lost for Tremaine Emmons in the room right now. No. But so realistically, it's it's watching training camp to see how rap is deployed is yeah. what's going to be the most interesting thing to me. This idea that you might use him as a like everyone talks about dime. I don't even think dime. I think he's your nickel linebacker 100%. because what are you going to trust Terrell Bernard, Dorian right. Williams? Right. For, first of all. I saw Terrell Bernard. You can miss me with all that shit. And then uh, you, Dorian Williams is a rookie who the GM flat out said, like, he'll earn a jersey, he'll play some special teams. Way to instill confidence, Bean. <laughs> yeah. I don't trust that he's going to do anything positive for me. So then Dodson's probably our linebacker yeah. on running downs. That's not great. So I think Rap is going to see a lot of in-the-box action. Him and Saran Neal are going to be a quiet piece of this puzzle of what we do in that hole. And I'm interested to see how they manage those snaps in training camp. And then when the preseason rolls around, like I want to see what you throw at a team when they decide to go four wide. Do you go to a dime or do you stay like you have traditionally in a nickel and just trust that your safeties can handle it? Right. Everything's going to change now because def- the defensive play calling is flowing through the head coach. Mm-hmm. But also, is that the worst thing? It's the thing that got him hired. Yeah, I, I, I'm honestly excited to see that because I hope that there's a different tone of tenacity that's coming forward this year opposed to previous. So is, we'll see. Chris, is this is the last installment of this training camp stuff we're doing. It's Thank the thing God. I want to finish this. It's the thing I want to finish this show on. This idea that the biggest thing that I want to see this offseason in training camp and that I want to see in the preseason. What is the difference between the Frazier defense and the McDermott defense? Because those Carolina defenses made Super Bowls, made playoff runs. They made what they did was they made mediocre defensive backs look. Look at Josh Josh Norman. They had Luke Keekley. 
They have Luke Keekley. We got Matt Milano. We have a Matt Milano. I understand that different positions, though. And Matt Milano's great, but Luke Keekley was sure. literally a genius, especially mm-hmm. when it came to films. But he didn't have our safety play. He also, as a But safety, we have no one in middle linebacker. Okay. And it's one of the most horrifying parts of the defense. <laughs> so that's where I look at my coach and go... Mm-hmm. Can you get so aggressive up front that that doesn't matter? Yeah. Can you bring so much pressure that that doesn't matter? I mean, we made the playoffs. I keep trying to remind people of this. We made the playoffs in 2017 with Preston fucking Brown. (laughs) That's fair. So don't tell me we need an all-star. I ran it down on a previous podcast this summer about how all of the mediocre linebacker play that ended up in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You don't need a star. What you need is something that works systematically. We reference on this podcast when it comes to the play of Edmonds and then his replacement because there was a piece from Brandon Bean, I think pre-free agency and pre-draft, where he was like, well, we, yeah, we lost Edmonds, but you know, the guy that might be on, uh, his replacement might be on the team. And he in which we, Balin Specter, and I yeah. immediately burst out laughing. We, I go, there's no fucking we, way we, you're serious if you're talking about this, which tells me you have to have a different plan. We reference this. This is the reference that we make on the show now for Tremaine Edmonds was Kevin Nash as Diesel, and then when Brandon Bean says, that guy's still here, it's Glenn Jacobs as Diesel is, is the reference we make on the show. If, for any of the, if you've watched 90s wrestling. So, so realistically, they're going to get through this with scheme. Yeah. And so I'm interested to watch how that plays out. I'm interested to see how they deploy these defensive backs. And realistically, like, there's guys like Cam Lewis. Like, Cam Lewis is basically, he's listed as a nickelback, but they played him in safety. He never got to play nickel. And then his one notable play of last year was letting Justin Jefferson catch that pass on fourth down. Right. You're never going to make this roster, kid. Sorry. We Our standards have been raised in the defensive backcourt, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing that guys like Cam Lewis probably won't make it. Cam Dantzler, who was a second-round pick, he's athletic, but he has no ball skills. He probably won't make the roster. He's just here to try. I like the fact that we've reached this point with the defensive back core because I feel like if anything in Sean McDermott's career has been true, it's been that defensive backs thrive under his tutelage. And now what you're doing is you're putting another one down in the box that they prioritize. They said, we need that guy. They bring him in. Now he's in there and you go, oh, he's like Mark Barron. He's like a small linebacker. He tackles well, but also he can play the deep half. Mm. Now you can run some of these cover three concepts where you have a robber who, when the play breaks out, he sits right in the middle of those two safeties as they're breaking out and the other linebacker shades. And all of a sudden there's a hole and the pressure's coming so fast. The quarterback has to make a decision. I want to see that defense, the cover three defense, not this Tampa two Leslie Frazier stuff. I want to see that Sean McDermott's willing to put his own stamp on this. Make it his because you have the talent to do it now. Dude, Tampa two is so frustrating. Yeah. You look at any of the games that there was a competent tight end, and you're like, "That's it." No, oh, every Chiefs game. Yeah, exactly. You watch that game, and you're like, "How is he so wide open?" And it's because Edmonds is sleeping, and there's no one else in the middle of the field. Uh, guys, there's so many things up in the air for training camp. We we've, we've I think feel like at this point we've covered them all. So with that. We're going to get the hell out of here. Hold up there, buddy. 
Next Friday, 28th, Valley Allen, 6 p.m., Cover One podcast meetup. If you guys are want to come out, Nate Geary might be out. Who knows? Uh, There's more reason not to go. <laughs> yeah, we'll be at Fally Allen, 6 p.m., Friday night. Uh, everybody's going to be there except Drew, because he's going to a $100,000 wedding. Well, I mean, you know, hopefully the food's good. <sighs> it fucking better be. That's right. <laughs> Potter, I love you. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This is the Buffalo Happy Hour crew. Where can they find you on social media and where's your podcast? Everywhere. Every major podcast platform. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, name them. Uh, but you can find us at Official Buffalo Happy Hour on Instagram, Buffalo Happy Hour on Facebook. We have a Twitter. We don't really use it. Uh, we started. We'll be tagged on Twitter tomorrow in a podcast, podcast clip featuring, I don't know, a frontier quarterback. So you might want to jump on Twitter to to get involved in that. There you go. The uh, and then we recently got on to uh, Threads or whatever it's called. We feel old now when it comes He's, to social media. He made, we, ha- we have Threads up. I didn't even know about that. We have yeah. Threads at the because it's tied to Instagram. I have Instagram at the Rockpile Report on Threads that we haven't posted, guys. Yet we gotta get the hell out of here. This has been your Rockpile Report.